Let's open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We looked last time at uh, chapter 2, speaking about persecution and suffering and that that, uh, more Christians died during the 20th century, were killed during the 20th century, I should say, than the 19 previous centuries combined. And they estimate that over 100,000 are dying every year for their faith. Why is that? It's because Jesus said in John 15, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And it's because of Jesus. Uh, We talked about here in the U.S., not really, but things are troubling. Some of the things that are happening and, and, and some of the things in our government that are happening are troubling for the future. And uh, things are increasing. But what can we do? We can be informed. We can have an ear open to listen to what's going on in the world, what's going on not just in our own little circle, but in the world, the wider picture of the body of Christ, which is worldwide. It's not just here in Rhode Island. The, the body of Christ is all over this planet. We can pray and we can help in different ways that we can. Now today I want to talk uh, verses 17 through 20 about ministry. And uh, I didn't know that Jim was going to do this thing about ministry. And it, it really, I don't know, it makes it harder in some ways. It makes it easier in other ways. But really ministry is about the people. And Paul's example in these verses show us that. Uh, I joke sometimes um, maybe it's a joke. I say, you know, I like ministry, it's just, I don't like people. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever heard me say that, or you've heard someone else say that. And, but really, ministry is, is people. It's all about the people. It's, it's, that's what it's all about. It's about people. It's about lives. And so... <laughs> We're going to see Paul's example here. It's, a, it's, a, it's challenging, in his example, but it's, it's very good what he has to say about it. Let's look at verses 17 through 20. He says, But, brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you, indeed you, are our glory and our joy? Can you feel the love? Can you feel the love in Paul's heart for these people? You remember, he he established that church and he wasn't able to stay there very long, but even in that short period of time, his heart was like connected to these people and he he cared about them. And that's why he would would stay in touch with them in, in different ways. One man said this across the centuries. Across the centuries, we can still feel the throb of love in these sentences. Really, what, what I see in this, really, the, the, the heart that comes out here is the heart for people. It's attitudes. What's really important? Is it stuff? Is it, is it buildings? Is it programs? Now, those things are important in and of themselves, but that's not what's really important. 
I think uh, Fidel mentioned last week, the main thing is the main thing, and the main thing is people. The main thing is people's lives. It's you. It's me. That's what it's really all about. And Paul was saying here, you know, that what is, what is, what is it all about for him? It was about what, what was going on with them in their lives. He says there, the first thing he says is, but brothers, and, and, and uh, someone pointed this out, that that word brothers, and, and really it includes brothers and sisters when it's in the plural form like this, it, brothers and sisters, he uses, uses this word 23 times in First and Second Thessalonians, 23 times. So what he's saying here is that this is family, this is, this is what it's all about, and, and uh, you know, family is so important family you know when we when we when everything gets broken away and our friends leave us and everything else what's left there it's our family at the end of our lives what do we care about we care about our family and Paul the apostle he saw himself as one of them a part of this family a part of this this body of Christ he saw himself as the loving brother he didn't he didn't look at himself as some, on some kind of a platform up above everybody else he said Brothers, family. He says, I care about you. He said there, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, this, this word literally means, when he, when he says torn away, it literally means orphaned. It's the same word. It's orphanos. It's, it's about being an orphan. When an, orphan when, when an orphan's parents are torn away, or taken away, and, and they're left all by themselves. He had that kind of intense feeling that... that that it was like his family was ripped away from him. And he cared, and it, and it hit him deeply. I'm not sure if any of you were, have ever been orphaned, but you know, to, to feel what an orphan feels like, lost and alone, without those parents that God you know, uh, would have to take care of you. He says there that, you know, that he was torn apart. He was torn away. But he says it, he said in person, though, not in thought. In other words, they were torn apart physically, but, but in his heart and in his thoughts, in his feelings, there was this thing that he was still with them, no matter what. Now, we you know, we kind of know what that's like when we, when we have to separate from somebody and, 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 and we can't see them face to face, but, but we have this thing where they're kind of with us and, we, and we're with them and, the, and you're, you're connected to them. And Paul was kind of like that. He says, I'm with you and maybe not in person, but I'm with you in my thoughts and in my heart and in my feelings. Paul talked about that in other places. And, and, and Paul the Apostle, though he, he, you know, God used him to write so much and, and so much of this doctrinal stuff that we have in his letters, there was something, he had this heart that was just like wide open for people. And, and in positive ways and in negative ways, he was there too. In, in Colossians 2, he said, though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit. And I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. He says, I, I hear about it and I'm so encouraged by that fact. But in a negative way too, in 1 Corinthians 5, when, 
when they had troubles there, he says, even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit and, and I've already passed judgment on the one who, who did this. He, there, even though he wasn't there, there was still a heart that, that things needed to be taken care of. But Paul could not get them out of his mind. He couldn't get them out of his heart. Look what it says in the second half of verse 17. He said, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Out of our intense longing, and the, the King James Version says we endeavored the more abundantly, the, the word is actually super abundantly, we tried everything we could to see your face. We did everything we could because we wanted to see you. We had this incredible desire, this, this incredible longing, intense longing. We made every effort so that we could actually see your face. There's something about being face to face with people, isn't there? When I look around at your faces, there's something different about being in the same room with somebody and actually seeing a person's face. Now, you're, you're only all seeing my face. You're going, well, I don't know if that's such a good thing. But, but you know, the, the expressions that you, can that you can see, a smile or a tear or a frown, there's something about being face-to-face, -face, and Paul knew it here. Now, Paul could have got, you know, his Skype all set up and, and, and you know, had some Skype happening here and, and checked it out, you know. But, and, I, and I do that with our grandkids, you know, that are far away. Or if I go away, I'd have to set it up and, and kind of check it out and go back and forth. But there's something so different, isn't there? It's just not the same. It's just not the same. Um, Besides the fact that the kids, they get bored after about 30 seconds and they don't stay in front of the camera anyway. So, But face-to-face, -face, he says, is so much better. I want to be there. I want to be there with you. I want to be there face to I want to be able to, to, to spend time with you. The Apostle John talks about the very same thing. He says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. There's some, something about being together person to person that, that makes this joy complete. I want to talk with you. I want to visit with you. I want to be with you. It's okay having phone calls, right? It's okay having even, you know, video chats. It's okay. Those things are good. But there's nothing like being together in person, really. I don't think we realize it. We don't think about it. And, and the whole new social media thing has kind of taken us in a whole other direction about that where, where we don't even call them on the phone anymore. We just chat or text or whatever. And, we, and we, we're starting to get away from that. But there's something about, hey, Let's get together. Let's do something together, face to face. I want to, I want to see you. I want to, be, I want to be with you. Jesus, one day we're going to see him face to face. And there's a longing for us, a longing that, that we, we see him, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, we see him, you know, like a, a poor reflection in a, in a mirror that's kind of cloudy. We kind of get an idea. And that's what it is with, with some of these other avenues. But one day we're going to see him face to face. And, 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 and he says, that is what we're looking forward to, to see Jesus face to face. 
He says there in verse 18, look at it, he says, For we wanted to come to you again. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. We wanted over and over to come to you. I'm, I, I'm doing everything I can to come and see you. I want to be able to give you a hug. I want to be able to shake your hand. I want to be able to, you know, be with you, just to be with you in the same space. You know, we go to the huddle each year, and we had, I think we had 22 different ministries, churches, ministries represented coming together, actually more than that because we had some from, from uh, out of state, probably 25 different groups. And, but the different people that we've been getting together with every year, you know what, I, it, it's, for many of them, it's the only time I see them, and we're in the same room together. And I can talk to them on the phone, and I can email them, and I can do these things, but when you're actually standing there with them or sitting there with them and eating a meal with them, there's nothing like that. You can't minimize that. I think we need to, to keep that in mind. Why do we get together? Why do we have uh, potlucks so that we can be together face to face? Why do we go to church so we can be together face to face? So that it's a real thing that's happening. Not just, not just because you're going to get some kind of Bible study, but we want to be together with the people of God, with the family. Why do you get together with family you know, on Sunday afternoons or whatever time your family might get together so you could be together as family? But notice what happens here in, in uh, <clears throat> the middle of verse 18, the end of verse 18. What does he say here? He says, I wanted to. I had this intense longing. I wanted to. I endeavored to again and again. But look what it says. But Satan stopped us. But Satan stopped us. I read that and I go like, what? What is that? How, how, how could he do that? And, and why would he want to stop him? Some questions that we can ask about it. I think to answer the why, first of all, is that Satan hates fellowship. Satan hates for the people of God to be together. And, and he hates the strength that comes out of it. He, he hates the growth that comes out of it. He hates people like you and I to get together because he knows there's strength in numbers. There's strength when we get together and encourage one another. He would much rather have you by yourself so he, so he can, and he doesn't even have to, have to worry about you. He'd much rather have you by yourself and just pound on you a little bit and then leave you alone and, and go, you know, attack somewhere else. He will do whatever he can to stop fellowship. Follow me with this, because there, there's a bunch of facets to this. They knew, the people at Thessalonica, they knew who Satan was. Paul didn't explain right here, so they had been taught about who Satan was, right? He didn't have to explain here. They kind of knew that Satan, uh, otherwise known as the devil, Satan was a fallen angel, and, and he has spiritual power. He is not the same as Jesus, like some would teach. He's like the brother of Jesus, Ridiculous notion. Satan is a created being, right? Satan is, you know, no match for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the, you know, the second person of the Trinity, the Godhead. And I don't like to talk about him that much for, for this reason, not because I'm afraid to, but because I don't like to give him a whole lot of place. I'd rather talk about Jesus than talk about Satan. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't exist and that we, we just ignore the fact. And it's just a figment of imagination. And it's just a Halloween costume. 
It's just, you know, this and that. It's ridiculous. No, he is a being. He had an experience, Paul here. He said, Satan stopped us. There was a spiritual warfare that was taking place, a battle that was taking place that I think we need to understand. If Paul the Apostle faced it, well, are we not going to? You say, well, you know, does this happen to me in my life? Yeah, sure, in different ways, in different areas, you know, where he gets in the way. When I need to be with the people of God and, and, and there's this battle that's taking place so often, Paul. John Corson said that we err whenever we underestimate Satan's ability to hinder people from service, from fellowship or worship. Although greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, 1 John 4, 4, we have a very real adversary who will do whatever it takes to thwart our ministry. He doesn't want to see us go forward. He doesn't want to see us grow. He doesn't want to see us learn. Warren Wearsby said he, that this word for stop has the idea in it of breaking up the road and putting up obstacles. When you see after a bad storm or, or some kind of an earthquake or something and the, the road that's there gets all like destroyed and you can't get across or the bridges or whatever are wiped out, it's that kind of a thought. Breaking up the road and putting up obstacles. Obstruction. Dare I use that word for you poor people here this morning after being up so late. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Obstruction. One man said to put up a roadblock. He said it's Satan's work to throw obstacles into the Christian's way, and it's our work to surmount them. He's going to throw obstacles. He's going to throw obstructions in our ways. Some of you still wondering what I'm talking about. Just look at the Red Sox game last night. <laughs> End last play of the game. You'll see. But what, we, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to, to fight. We're, we're, we're not supposed to just give up, just stop if there's some kind of an obstacle, some kind of a uh, roadblock in our way to, to, to our walk with Jesus Christ. We have to fight. We have to, we have to uh, uh, persevere. Too many times we just kind of like, he doesn't even, it doesn't even take much, and we just kind of give up. Just a little tiny thing, well, yeah, that's it. The light turned red, I'm going home. You know, oh, you know, I, uh, you know, I know I was going to meet with so-and-so uh, to have breakfast or, or whatever, but, you know, I, <clears throat> I coughed once last night, I, I think I better cancel. You know, we come up with these things, you know, not even real obstacles, and we make them real obstacles. And Satan says, I don't even have to bother working with, you know, with those people because with you or whatever, because it doesn't take much. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from England, back in the 1800s, he said this, supposing that we have ascertained that hindrances in our way really come from Satan, what then? He said, I have but one piece of advice, and that is go on, hindrance or no hindrance, in the path of duty as God the Holy Ghost enables you. Go on. 
We've got to realize. Now, how do, you, how do you realize if it's God or if it's Satan? It doesn't really matter. We need to, we need to persevere and go on. There are times when, and Paul talks about it in, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, where the Holy Spirit prevented them from going in a certain direction, right? I think it's Acts 16. I didn't write the reference down here. If we're in the will of God, though, if we're doing what God wants, we need to, we need to have discernment and ask Him, well, God, is this, you know, what is going on here? And we need to fight. We need to go on. But let me say one more thing about this. Uh, again, I don't want to talk about Satan for an hour. I could do a whole study about Satan, but I don't really like to give him that much time. But let me say this, that Satan does not win. Satan does not win. Let me, let me quote to you from David Guzik. He says this, Paul was committed to fight against the roadblock in any way he could. If he couldn't be there in person, his letter will go for him and teach and encourage them in his absence. Many scholars believe that 1 Thessalonians was Paul's earliest letter written as an apostle to a church. First letter that he wrote. He says, if this is the case, then Satan's roadblock got Paul started on writing letters to the churches. And when Satan saw the great work God did through these letters, he regretted that he ever hindered Paul at all. You see, he didn't win. And he thinks he will. You know, this whole, you know, Satan entered the heart of Judas Iscariot. Let's put him to death. Let's get rid of Jesus. But, but, but God turns it all around, you see. And, and even though Satan has a plan and he wants to stop us, in the end, he loses in the end, he's defeated. In the end, God will, will bring good. We have to keep that in mind and, and not fear Satan, though we, we, you know, we should, in a, in, a, in a way, respect the fact that he is very powerful. And the fallen angels that are with him, they are very powerful. They're more powerful in a spiritual uh, capacity than you and I are because of the realm that they live in. But we... As I quoted earlier, 1 John 4, 4 from John Corson, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Because of Jesus Christ in us, we don't have to fear Satan. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world, speaking about the enemy. But we will face different kinds of battle. Look at verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope, Dave, Paul says here, what is our hope or joy or the crown in which we will glory? In the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I mean, this is just beautiful. The things that he writes here. Now, again, Satan thought he was going to stop him, but Paul wrote these letters. And now you and I, almost 2,000 years later, have, years later, have these words that we can read and go, wow, I didn't know that. If he'd had just gone there and we didn't have this in writing, we, we wouldn't have known that Paul, even Paul the Apostle had a, a spiritual battle that he had to face and Satan was trying to stop him dead in his tracks from serving, stop him from, from reaching those people that he cared about, that he loved. Paul says, what is our hope and our joy of the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Again, it's the, it was the people. It wasn't Paul saying, this is my ministry. I got my ministry. I'm, you know, an apostle and I got a ministry and I, you know, I have a retinue. 
whatever that is. And I, you know, I, I, you know, people, you know, they get quiet when I come into the room because I'm the Apostle Paul. It wasn't like this at all for him. He loved the people. He just loved the people. That's all. That's all. What's my hope? What's my joy? What's my crown? He says. It was the people. It was the people that he loved, the people that he cared for. It wasn't the stuff. One man said this, the only prize in life that he really wanted to see was his converts living well. That's all that he cared about. Those that he shared the message with, those that he, that he uh, shared Jesus Christ with, who received Jesus, who received the word of God. We saw those who were walking with Jesus. That's all he cared about. That's all he was, was worrying about. Not whether they had gotten their building painted. Well, I wanted to contact you to find out if, you know, uh, you had, you know, no, he, he wanted to find out if, you know, what, what, were they, what, what were their spiritual lives like? Were they following Jesus? And, and really, you kind of, to be together in person, you kind of, you know, that's the best way to do that. Again, the Apostle John, a verse that you have heard before, I'm sure he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I, there's nothing that makes uh, me happier, he says, than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Paul says the same kind of thing here, my, my hope, my joy, my crown. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a royal crown that he's talking about, though, you know, some, in some ways, you know, you see that happening, the, you know, the spiritual, you know, establishment. It's more like a royal crown, but here, it was, it, it, that's not the crown he's talking about. He's talking about an athlete's crown that, that they would receive, uh, you know, when they got to the end of the race and the, the victor, they won the race, and they got this kind of a wreath crown that they would put on from running the race. He says that's what, that's what it all was for him. Interesting thing to note about that crown, though, in Revelation chapter 4, Verse 10, it says, the elders, they lay, they lay their wreaths down before the throne of God. They didn't just keep them on. They, they, they received these wreaths, but when they got there before the throne, they laid it all back down. They gave it all back to him. And, and anything that God gives to us, in the end, we've got to give it back to him because he gave it to us in the first place. What matters most at Christ's return in this passage? It's not stuff. Not the fact, you know, for years and years and years, you know, we, we wanted to get a building, you know. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We, we were tired of, you know, loading the stuff in and out of the truck to, you know, into the school or whatever. And, and there's no, nothing wrong with that, you know, but, and, and God blessed us five years ago now. Seems like five weeks, but it's five years. Can you believe that? Five years ago, we've had this place, and, and God has blessed us. It's comfortable, it's awesome, it's beautiful. We're still working on uh, parts of it. But it's not about the building, is it? It's about the people. It's about you. It's about me getting along. It's about you and I growing in, in, our, in our knowledge of Jesus Christ and the grace and knowledge of Jesus Let me read to you. I love this quote, and, and, and this, is, this is very powerful. Listen carefully. Uh, he, says, he says, they, the people, they were everything that was worth anything to Paul. 
They were everything that was worth anything to Paul. You know, if all you just disappeared, you know, I got some really nice chairs. <laughs> really like these chandeliers. You know, the sound system, that's awesome. Man, that's great. But without you people here, forget the chairs. Let's get rid of the chairs if you people are here, you know, if, if it helps for you to, to learn and grow. You know what I'm saying? What matters most is the people. It's you. He goes on to say this. They were his hope. Their development was what he lived for. As a parent lives to see his children grow up to maturity, they were his joy. They filled his life with sunshine as he thought of what they used to be, what they had become, and what they would be by the grace of God. They were his crown. They themselves were the symbol of God's blessing on his life and ministry. They were his glory and joy. When life is over and we stand in the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming, you Thessalonians, he says, will be our source of glory and joy. You mean that much to us. You, he says, are our glory and our joy. To see you grow, to see you blossom, to see you serve, to see you persevere. It, you know, it isn't just about me sharing a Bible study. It's about us sharing life together. The family. Family. Jim mentioned it. You know, it's been, it's been a long time and people come and people go and family gets changed around a little bit and it hurts sometimes. And then it feels good when, when family get together and celebrate. That's all part of family, isn't it? When, when we lose family members. But this is what, we, this is what we're all about here. It's all about, it's all about you. It's all about us. And it does go both ways. Let's close. I want to close with a passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you want to turn there with me. And really speaking about it going both ways. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. He says there in, in verse 12, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. It's the only way we could do it. Verse 13, but for we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. It goes both ways, right? You're my glory and joy, and I hope that we are your glory and joy as well as we share, as we both say, you know what? I love those people. I'm proud of those people. And, and I hope, as Paul is saying here, he says, I hope that my life as well can be something that you can be proud of too. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the family, this family. And I'm thankful for each one. I'm thankful for each person here today, Lord, and each person that's a part of this family somewhere away. Maybe some have, 
have moved on. Maybe some have moved out of our region. But Father, you have done something very special and, and it is a work of grace. It's a work of love. It's a work of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would help us keep on this path of fellowship and this path of growing and learning and, and following you. I pray that each one of us would fight the good fight and not let the enemy keep us from the things that you have for us. We'd get up each day and say, I'm going on with Jesus. I'm going on with Jesus. Devil, do what you want, but I'm going on with Jesus. Father, help us in that, Lord. We, we don't have the strength, really, in, our, in ourselves, but, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in us, your son Jesus, in us, but by the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that, that you would uh, open our hearts and lives to one another. Sometimes that's difficult, Lord. We, 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 uh, we pretend, I do, we all do. We put on masks, we, we fake each other out. Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts and lives to one another to truly walk and help and work together to fulfill the call that you have on us as a group and as individuals, Lord. I pray here too, Lord, before we close, for any that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that today they would open their hearts and lives to the only one that matters, that really matters, and that's Jesus Christ. I pray that, Father, you'd show them that there is a love beyond measure, and it's the love of God given through his son, Jesus. If that's you this morning, simply open your heart to that love. He loves you so much, and he, he gave his life for you. And he wants, to, he wants to help you. He wants to live inside you. He wants to take you to heaven, to that place he's prepared. And all you need to do is receive and believe and trust. Give him everything, because he gave you everything. Father, thank you again for this beautiful day, and, and thank you for the family. Thank you for these beautiful people, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.